And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman, and we finally reached the closing week of the summer transfer window. Premier League clubs have spent more than their German, Italian, Spanish and French counterparts combined and they are not done yet. Don't miss any of the twists and turns with myself, David Ornstein, Adam Crafton and many more on the Athletic Football Podcast this week as we take you inside the deals that really matter. We're free to listen wherever you get your podcasts and we're ad-free on the Athletic app. Okay, so four times in the last six league games, City have fallen two goals behind at some point. In days gone by, that would have yielded at most one or two points. But these days, City have come away with eight of the buggers. Only four points dropped across games where City were 2-0 down at West Ham and playing badly, 2-0 down against Aston Villa and playing badly, 3-1 down against Newcastle and playing badly, and 2-0 down against Crystal Palace and, you guessed it, playing badly. So maybe things have changed, or maybe City should stop giving the opposition a two-goal head start just in case they haven't. Let's get into the finer details of that on this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me is Sam Lee. Hello. And Paul Bias. Hello. Um, You can read everything on City and more in The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to sign up. You'll get these podcasts without the ads as well. You can sign up at theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. And um, we've got a little bit of uh, kind of breaking news to start with that you can read all about on The Athletic right now. Um, Sam, City might not be uh, done in the transfer market. Guardiola was asked in his uh, his press conference ahead of the Nottingham Forest game to, to basically say if City were done and done in the transfer market now. Uh, this is what he said. Just one or two days, finally, the transfer window will be over and everyone will be focused what you have to do. Can you categorically say no more business for yourselves? No, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. So that was uh, Guardiola in uh, the press conference on Tuesday. Um, Sam, we, we believe that they're after a centre-back. Well, yeah, yeah. They're, um, Manuela Kanji from Dortmund. Uh, Paul has been sniffing around it for a few days. I got a call this morning saying, they're going to sign a centre-back. I was like, what the fuck? Um, so I spoke to Paul. Um, we got a couple of names. We narrowed the name down to one from the info I got this morning. Spoke to David Ornstein. He was on top of it as well. Um, and I, within about four minutes going from, this is all the info we've got, not really sure, it was then, right. We've got a story. Um deal agreed, let go, go, go kind of thing. And then it was just kind of thrashing it out as it goes along. So yeah, definitely breaking. And I mean, within about five minutes of the story going on Twitter, um, we're here doing this podcast. So Paul, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I mean, it's been a busy um, couple of hours, maybe. Um, yeah, no, basically it's been, it's been a deal that I think it's been cooked during the last week. Um, basically, after Nathan Ake got injured at Newcastle, 
City is now facing like this period of the season when they have three they have three games per week, and they just have two first team senior centre backs. Um, as we know, Pep, Pep doesn't like that. Um, uh, given as well all the problems that he's had at centre back at City, um, and yeah, basically they were like they started like last week considering like an option to be like a backup centre back, uh, knowing all the problems they have in this position with nothing like injured. Aymeric Laporte is due back on September, but he has this kind of injuries like a knee injury that they want to be careful with that because if you put like too load and too and just too many games before it's um, rightly fixed, probably it can end up with like collateral injuries, like, I don't know, like a hamstring muscle injury or just, yeah, just some kind of injury. So they want to be careful with Laporte. They have nothing like injured. And with all the games coming, they felt that they need another centre-back, basically, to fill that um, gap of um, 20 games per, per season where he can be useful. And Manuel Akanji came up basically as a good option for them. Um, his contract is expiring at Dortmund next... Well, the, 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 this is his last year of contract at Dortmund, basically. And, and yeah, it was an option that um, ticked all the boxes that City were looking from last week, basically. Is he is he coming in then in uh, as a very sort of Nathan Ake style signing, Paul? I think so. I'd say so. Um, of course, he will have the chance to prove it wrong or just to change his status um, inside the pitch. But yeah, I think that as of now, um, he comes like as a yeah, just a guarantee for City, just a backup option, just to know that now if some misfortune hits City again and Ruben Diaz or John Stones, let's hope it doesn't happen because you never want any player to get injured. But if one of them gets injured, City is basically... Mm, quite affected in the back line um, because if you put I don't know Kyle Walker as a as a centre back then you have no one to put on the right back and if you put Cancelo on the right back on the left back is a bit yeah so it's a bit uh, they are a bit short um, so that yeah basically they wanted like another player to feel more safe and I think that it's also safe to say that if we have to imagine which role Akanji will play right now it would be closer to Nathan Ake than to Ruben Diaz to yeah yeah. Say something. Uh, Sam, what, what does this? What shape would this leave the squad in, though, when Laporte is back and when Ake is back, and you've got then got five senior centre backs fighting for two two positions essentially? Yeah, yeah, it's unusual. It's unusual. Um, again, like me and Paul were talking this morning, and I mean, this is basically Paul's point. I hadn't thought about it, but I know he's just talked, so I'll, I'll take over. I'll give him the credit for it. Like there if City go. had signed Kukurea, <laughs> if City had signed Kukurea, then. You play Kukurea left back. You play Cancelo right back. Fine. You play Walker centre back. Not brilliantly fine, but okay. But now, you can move Cancelo to right back. You can play Walker centre back, as he did against Barca. But as much as Gomez is kind of exciting, you know, whenever when when he was signed and when he was in the process of being signed, all the noise and the talk was that um, he'd be moved on on loan possibly, or at least at City were looking for somebody else. So while he is a very exciting player and I've written about him looking good and I'm quite excited to see him, he's not considered, you know, ready to go in and play left back in the Premier League like Kukurea would have been. So it's kind of knock on from that. And, you know, normally everything City do is kind of considered and, and you know, just it, it just, well, I suppose it doesn't necessarily make sense from the outside, but as soon as you hear the logic for it, it does. 
I'm sure once you hear the logic for this, you know, as kind of we've already explained, it will make more sense. But you're right. Like once everyone is fit, not everyone's going to be there, and it's a bit like a January signing, isn't it? Yeah. When in the you know like when Fernandinho was playing centre back a couple of years ago, it was like I'll sign somebody now. And I remember making the point recently that do you remember a couple of seasons ago when Liverpool had Van Dijk injured and they brought a couple of guys, and they just to reinforce the position at centre back, but they never did anything. I think one went on loan to Norwich, one went on loan to Sheffield United the next season. They just shown that they weren't ready. Um, so even if Akanji is ready. And it seems that Dortmund are fairly desperate to get rid of him. Um, although there's other kind of data and stuff we'll explore in articles over the next couple of days that suggest that, you know, it'd be a good sign-in. But regardless, yeah, um, five centre-backs, um, not normally something that, that City do, five senior centre-backs. And okay, it's not like all of them are expected minutes, but Akanje is just coming in. He's going to expect some minutes. And Ake obviously nearly left in the summer because, oh, let's go and play somewhere else where I can play a bit more. Okay, there's no offer, so I'll stay. But he won't want to play less. Um, so yeah, now, it's, yeah, and, it's an and, interesting one. And now you've got this position where you've got an extra player fighting for for those places, unless they actually do that thing of switching to a back back three and playing Phil Foden left wing back. But that, <laughs> that 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 could just be the option that they go with. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's <laughs> being facetious. <laughs> yeah, and then Can- Cancelo will be delighted so to be missing out. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's a weird one, isn't it? Just on a kanji, Paul. Um, I, I don't know if you know much about him or if you if you've kind of seen how he might fit in, but like it, it seems an odd one for City to just go, for it to just kind of come out of the blue in in this sense because the Nathan Ake injury happened well nearly a fortnight ago. It's like ten days ago now. So uh, like if if they've been thinking about it for some time, have they been have they been scouting around lots of names and that's where they've landed, or has it just been kind of like a, a patch up job? Do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I don't know him like very very well. I've seen him play. Uh, every now and then, but not like um, really specifically or specially to him. Um, but yeah, for my understanding is that yeah, basically this this idea came up last week. Basically, um, so they were kind of oh, well, of course they were okay with the number of centre backs that they had. But yeah, seeing with seeing nothing like injured made them realize that um, they could be like in big trouble if they got another centre back injured. Plus, Ruben Diaz comes from like. He has recovered from an injury that was also like an injury, but he has had like some growing problems uh, as well. They want to be careful with the load management. It's a bit like that, I guess. And the centre back is so much like a pipe, like a pivotal role for Pep that they just wanted to make it sure. Um, yeah, it would, it would it, seem odd that he didn't fit the profile though. If they if they were going to go out and, and spend money on it, do we know what a fee is or anything like that? Has there been any news on that? Yeah, I mean, it should be in the region. Uh, we don't have like a specific fee because they are like reaching or getting close to an agreement, but it should be close. Uh, it can be a bit less, it can be a bit more, but close to the 20 million of euros. Oh, so it's not, a, they're not, they're not kind of splashing the cash on this. Yeah, this, this, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's like a, it's like a budget acquisition. It's like having Rodrigo from Ligi in your fantasy team, right? Because he's <laughs> cheap and he scores goals. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, apart from all the jokes. Um, yeah, he's, he's kind of like a market opportunity, I guess. They they weren't looking like for a um, like an elite profile. I think that since last week, what they, what they were looking for was for a centre-back that could be okay for 15, 20 games a season. And that's why... I guess what they believe they have with Manuela Kanji. Yeah, and of course, Sam, the, the wild card in all of this is the World Cup, isn't it? Because you, you don't you don't know what shape the squad's going to be in the other side of the World Cup. So, uh, no, I suppose not. But then, 
you don't just go and sign another striker. Like you don't just go and sign Danny Ings because you know you don't know what the squad's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, like 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 I answered before, and it was a fairly long answer, a bit rambly, I guess. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's just it's a bit of a strange one. It makes sense in terms of the cover. Um, but yeah, when when cover when cover is no longer needed, I wonder, I wonder. So I mean, obviously, look, this is something we we've only just put out very recently, and we're going to get more details. You know, might get phone calls as this podcast goes along. Um, I'll, but I wonder what kind of contract it is like how long? Or you know, is there some kind of? I wouldn't say CFG, but is there some kind of? If it gets the next summer and you're not playing much, we will find you a good a good loaf. move. Or yeah. we will find you a good move. Um, or, you know, maybe they sell Ake for 40 million next time when they keep him. You know, that, these kind of things. But um, in terms of the World Cup, yeah, maybe it'll help. But um, I can't, I don't know how much that will factor into it right now. Yeah. And always good to weaken your Champions League opponents before you get there, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, if he was playing. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. That's the point. Yeah. Sign Jude Bellingham if you want to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we've we've heard no news on that, so uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll keep you updated if that one comes through. Um, let's talk about uh, the games recently because um, I want to talk about, as as the introduction suggested, what we were originally going to talk about was uh, kind of City coming from behind. Um, We've talked a lot in the past about sometimes how you can just get a sense that City aren't getting a result. And I'm wondering, Sam, if that's changed these days. Because in all of those four games that I mentioned in the intro, you know, West Ham, Aston Villa, Newcastle, and then Crystal Palace, City's performance was the classic, well, they're not getting anything from this. And then they've come away with eight points out of 12. So like, they're obviously doing something right. I'd rather they didn't keep giving a two-goal lead to the opposition. But like, they're doing much better than they've ever done before at turning that around. That's basically exactly what Guardiola said at the press conference. He even said, like a couple of years ago, when we when we were down, I I got the feeling that we struggled to turn it around. It was something along those lines. Um, Can I just say at this point, I promise you, I haven't listened to the press conference yet. So uh, that, yeah, me, no, that me and him are on the same wavelength. I'm happy with that. Yeah, you'll take that. <laughs> um, and but and then again at the other end, at the end of the, the answer, he was like, "Yeah, but it's not good because we we won't always turn it around." Um, so yeah, yeah, you spot on. We had to try to avoid it. Uh, in one term, it's good because in the past, in the last years, always when we were down, we were difficult to come back. Now we had uh, we proved last season. This season we can do it, but we have to try to avoid it as much as possible to go in vantage and try to handle or manage this situation. The positive is you've lost none of those four where you have trailed by two goals. Yeah, but it's risk. So one day we'll not be able to come back. We talked about it at the end of the, the end of last season, didn't we? Uh, I, t- I remember tweeting about it the day after the Villa game. That Villa game, people are going to start believing that City can turn it around now, the way they did against Villa in particular, but I guess also West Ham. Uh, because yeah, we, we just the amount of games we could probably talk about five or ten minutes just listing games from that 2019-20 season where you just think, forget it, it's not happening. There were loads of them, and it, the, the standout, mate, City... the, the absolute standout is the Champions League final. That, yes, the, the minute course. that kicked off, you, were, I was like, oh, they're just not getting a result. I just, that, that is not happening. And lo and yeah. behold, that was oh, the I performance. Yeah, that was a good season as well, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. The, the one, that, the one that I always remember is Arsenal in the FA, FA Cup, Cup semi final behind yeah. closed doors. It was just like, forget it. They took a corner into the box and it kind of bubbled around and maybe hit Sterling or something from like two yards out. It didn't go in. I was like, forget it, forget it. Not happening. Um, so yeah, and that's uh, that's not what City were no, uh, known for, you would say. But one thing, it was definitely a trait that, you know, I don't know, eight times out of ten, 
the game would go well for City. And considering, you know, no other team has got a ratio like that eight times out of 10. That's as close as as good as you're going to get, maybe even nine times out of 10. But that one time when it didn't go well, it was just a write-off, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, they've lost 4-3 or whatever. It was, oh, they, they've just, you know, they were there as Guardiola says, but they might have had more XG, but they didn't look that threatening and scored a, you know, conceded the goal on the break and you know, we're never going to score. And all of a sudden now that has changed. And okay, maybe maybe they have a performance like that again when they they play badly and they lose and they don't look great. But I mean, certainly the evidence suggests that they have moved away from that. And as you and Pep Guardiola rightly say, um, it has changed. As for why, I don't know, belief in belief in the group. Um, I, th- I wonder if Haaland factor on Saturday in particular helped. You know, you've just got some, you know, the header was a goal that, Nobody's scoring last season, I would say. Even, you know, his hat-trick goal. I don't think anybody yeah, no, yeah. in this, this city team is scoring that. So you've got a bit of Haaland factor, um, but obviously a bit of belief from the back end of last season and just like a kind of, I don't know, like, I don't want to say incredible group of players because 2019-20 was after they'd won two titles on the bounce in the domestic treble. So they were incredible then. But I, I, I guess like most of them have been together for a long time now and they're just kind of very sure of themselves and what they need to do. Yeah. And I also think that like time like has made some players. I mean, Pep insisted uh, a lot like Kim Bernardo being like a winning player right now. So I guess that time has made like a lot of players this kind of winning players, like like that in the bad moments they just ask for the ball and ju- they just try to solve problems. Um, I think that Kevin De Bruyne did that at some point at the end of that season. He made a step forward in that regard. Uh, Bernardo, of course, did it. Um, this this last game. Yeah. Grealish against West Ham last season was yeah, big. Grealish, yeah, Grealish yeah, against West Ham. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's a good shout uh, as well. Um, and I think that it was quite telling that, of course, we know uh, that Pep is like obsessed about tactics and all, and always like trying to, like, to find the right way just to um, destroy the opponent, uh, of course. But I think that now City is like, uh, or they take uh, account a lot like on the momentums. Uh, because on the last game, uh, Pep was ready basically to put Gundogan and Julian on. And as soon as they were ready to come in, um, Bernardo scored. Bernardo scored the goal and Pep said, wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to make my changes. He just told Gundogan and Julian just to wait because he felt that as soon as City scored, they were able just to grab this momentum and just to score another one. Then I think that Bernardo did that move that was, that was like Messi-esque, like, start, like starting, like dribbling everyone that was almost a goal. Um, I mean, and they didn't end up scoring, but Pep could feel that once City score a goal, they are able to produce danger into the opposition box. So that's something that is within the squad right now. And it's even with Pep that it's even like able or capable just to wait on his thoughts, on his tactical changes just to give it out to the momentum, basically. Yeah, absolute momentum FC at times this season because <laughs> I, uh, they just like I, I, I honestly, in, in in some respects, Paul, I, I, I genuinely think City haven't had such a great start to the season in the way they've been playing. But when they've when they've needed the momentum to swing, they've turned it around and they've they've just bullied the opposition. I mean, against Crystal Palace, it was Haaland bullying them for for fifteen minutes that ultimately yeah. did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it could be that way. Um, I think that, especially probably against Crystal Palace, like on the first half, I think that City has struggled with Walker inside. Um, they didn't find like the right solution. But yeah, I mean, it's been probably due to individualities that they have been able just to 
um, win or turn around some games. Um, and I think that Pep is quite aware of that uh, because of the way that, that he spoke in the press conference after uh, the Crystal Palace game. And I think that he said that today uh, as well, that uh, he tried to warn out his players, saying like, one day we'll, we're not going to be able to turn it around, so we have to be careful. And probably the fact of conceding so so many goals uh, probably is like a motivation to look for Manuel Akanji too. So yeah, maybe it's 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 yeah, um, it's good to have all these uh, reasons into account. Yeah, a bit of a kick up the ass for uh, for the players that are that I, that keep conceding the goals, I guess. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sam, the, I mean, the other side of all of this is, like, as much as as I, I was going to suggest that one of the reasons why City keep keep having to turn around a, um, a, a two goal deficit is because they've changed slightly from last season. Given obviously they they've now got Haaland in as the as the centre forward, they're not playing the false nine. There's maybe not as much control, um, but the ball possession that they've got is still just as high as it was. And I mean, two of the four games that they've had to turn around with the back end of last season. So I'm wondering if I'm stretching on, on that. I wonder, I wonder if it's, if it is just like the sample size is too small, that like we're looking at a, a stretch of four games in six where it's happened. Yeah, it looks like a lot, but you're right. Uh, I think it, it kind of, if you dig into it as well, there's just, there are different reasons for it. Like the reasons for City conceding goals against Palace and Newcastle were completely different. Um, you know, main like broadly speaking, against Newcastle, there was problems on the counter attack, and it's because the team were too stretched out and they were kind of attacking too fast and not slowing the game down. Against Palace, it was just purely set pieces, and there was a couple of problems on the on the transitions. Um, when again, in fairness, then then they were they were kind of attacking too quickly. Um, all you know, um, Paul mentioned the the Walker thing in midfield, but it wasn't just Walker, Cancelo and Rodri actually trying to get the ball forward too much. I was, well, we spoke to Rodri afterwards in Mixon. I was like, what changed at half-time? He was like, look, it doesn't always have to be tactical. You know, sometimes we just need to kind of calm down and stuff and we, we were rushing and that's kind of what I thought. Like, whether it was uh, saying, stop playing these passes or he just said, calm down and you take more time and not, not directly say stop playing these direct passes, but more, Take your time, you know, play them out wide, whatever. Well, they did. Um, I mean, so whether second it was half, explicitly uh, conveyed or not, I don't know. But yeah, because first half they did spend a lot of time looking for Haaland over the top and very rarely yeah. finding him. And then second half they just didn't do that. I don't really remember yeah, that, exactly. that ball over um, the top. No, it didn't. It didn't happen once. Um, it didn't happen once. Uh, Walker's Walker was much better. His passes were just out wide to normally Bernardo, but obviously people were kind of popping up on the right. Um, yeah, it was just much more more structured. So I guess there there's similarities in that respect. But against West Ham, 
uh, fairly. It was kind of it was counterattacks as well, but it was like terrible defending, wasn't it? Like, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of Sinchenko, but that was one of his worst games. Um, Villa was just, I don't know, strange. Um, I suppose the more I'm talking about it, the more the more I'm seeing a theme with counterattacks. <laughs> um, there was a question put to Pep in the press conference. You, you know, are you conceding too many goals? Are you conceding more goals because you're attacking too much? And Guardiola kept his cool with it, but he was like, "You're asking me this after six years. Like, if you ask me this in the first one or two seasons, I understand. But like, after six years, like, we always attack like this, and we always con- concede few goals. Um, so he sees no correlation there. I, I guess if the question had been maybe worded, you know, you, are you playing a bit more directly? Are you trying to get Haaland in? Um, and then, then that feeds into what Guardiola said after the Newcastle game. You, you need to finish the actions. You know, when you've got space in between the lines and you can run, you need to finish the actions, and it's fine. I think if it maybe tapped into that, I think Guardiola might have gave a, a different answer with maybe a bit more insight to it. Um, I definitely think that's part of it. Um, but again, they weren't looking for Haaland last season. Yeah, they just kind of had problems with um, various different things. But yeah, um, ultimately. It was set pieces against Palace, counter-attack against Newcastle. Um, didn't concede anything against Bournemouth, really. Didn't concede anything against West Ham. West Ham was just an absolute masterclass in not letting a counter-attacking team. Counter-attack, counter-attack. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess, I guess, guess we'll see as the season goes on. But, again, with this whole centre-back depth thing, all of a sudden it's like severe away, Spurs at home, Dortmund at home. It's like, hold on a minute, these are these are serious games. So Yeah. I was going to I was going to say, um, good job that Spurs isn't coming up because that's the, that's the test, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, that will be interesting. Yeah, um, Paul. I also wonder if um, the fact that City have now done it four times, if like you kind of get into that mindset as an opposition player that it's happening again. You know, as, like, yeah, yeah. as soon as City scored to make it two one against Palace, I kind of wonder how many of the Palace players on that pitch were going, "Oh God, it's happening! It's actually it's going to happen again today." And yeah, yeah. That kind of becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah, I really think so. Um, it's a bit. I mean, I think that teams when they play at Anfield, it's kind of something similar. And yeah. um, with all the, I know all the narrative and all the yeah, with the atmosphere of City and all this kind of stuff. But in in their own way, City has done it. City has been able just to um, assemble a team and just to push their players, just to build that um, this kind of identity or mentality that when they score one. Um, I think that you could sense it on Crystal Palace because Crystal Palace was quite brilliant on the first half. Um, I think that Eze was great. Um, uh, the centre-backs were like kind of holding Haaland quite good. They were finding like a good escape um, onto the channel of the full-backs. Um, but in the second half, they were just like um, powerless, basically. Um, they, they just didn't have like any clue, any idea of how to operate. And I think that's down to this fear factor that City is building, which is a good thing for City. Probably um, City was a team that was too perfect, like they, that they wanted to play so perfect and they used to win games so perfectly. Um, and now they are doing it like in a way that is less guardialistic, but uh, just more effective, maybe. Yeah. Did, did you just call City rough around the edges? <laughs> no, really, not really. No, no, no. Just, just don't twist my words a bit. <laughs> um, uh, just specifically against uh, Palace, then Sam. Um, what did you think of, of of Guardiola's move in the second half? Because they, I, 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 sitting in the stands, I thought it was very brave to take off uh, Cancelo as a as a fullback and bring on another midfielder and a forward and and just kind of reshape the team in that sense. But I guess he could look at it 
and go, Palace aren't getting forward in this half. So why do we need why do we yeah. need all of the defenders on the on on the halfway line? Yeah, and you gotta go for it. Like, what's what's gonna happen if you don't? You lose. You, you might you might maybe concede another one, but you not maybe you don't get the goals. So yeah, um yeah, it wasn't Cancelo's best game. To be fair, it wasn't De Bruyne's best game either. When when it was two 0 and as as Paul said earlier, the subs were getting ready to come off when it was two 0 It was like who could come off? Like, it could be anyone, and not necessarily in a they're all shit way, but just in a it, it could it could have been anybody. Um, I even oh, for a second I was like, would you take Haaland off and like put Alvarez on because like he's not getting the ball and then you get Alvarez to drop and and link up play a bit more. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen, and in the end, that was the right decision not to. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those where changes did need to be to be made. It's, it's, you can see a quite clear difference in the matches where Guardiola does want to make changes and when he doesn't. Obviously, against Newcastle, that was just a match where partly owing to the options on the bench and part well mainly because it was just so frantic and just mad. You couldn't really bring somebody into it cold in Guardiola's view. But obviously, the game the other day, two 0 down. You need to change things. You need to do something different. You need guys yeah. with that kind of sense of goal, if we're talking about Gundogan and Alvarez, which we haven't seen yet, but I'm sure it's there. And also just that ability to kind of make things happen, which Alvarez seems to have already. It, it, it did make sense. But, I mean, it was a risk in terms of, like, I saw Guardiola speak to Foden a few minutes before the, before the subs. And I was like, okay, yeah. And it was, oh, he's obviously told him he's going to have to go and play left back in a minute. Um, and he didn't have to do much defending. But I remember from like a goal kick, he was standing on the halfway line waiting for it. They kind of played it out into that kind of Carl Walker position, if you know what I mean, where Edison kind of clips over when Walker's the free man, kind of about 15, 20 metres inside his own half. Palace kind of did that and Foden just pushed up on him straight away and won it back. And he was like, that was really good. Um, so there was a there was a risk there, but you're right. Um, Palace weren't counter-attacking at all in the second half. That, that had kind of gone. So... Yeah, Guardiola just had to kind of choose the best way to take advantage of that, and because he's the best around, um, he managed it. Yeah, I just wonder, Paul, if that's. Um, I, I guess you probably wouldn't start with that, but it seems to be an option when when teams have got a back five with four in front. It seems to be an option of a of a way to outnumber them in the middle, um, because like I, I know Guardiola likes it, likes you know more passes and and that sort of thing to to break opposition down but when you've got uh, effectively a bank of nine players who are not budging it's quite hard to pass the, pass your way around them so i guess just you know just getting more players in there is, is is the difference yeah it's kind of a tricky one because of course guardiola and city they always want like an overload inside and and that's something they looking for like since Pep is here that's why walker is like playing as a false double pivot something like that um and they, yeah and they want to do that um but at the same time i mean you don't want to like run too much or basically what pep said after newcastle he wants to be like kind of not slow but yeah just taking care of the ball make more passes just to not allow just to not allow the game to go crazy so that's another thing that city cannot like um be crazy about trying to take advantage of the opposition when they are like bad structured because they also want to take care of of their own position. So it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit, they will have to handle it. They will have to find um, their own ways, basically. Um, and I think that it's kind of a process and it is kind of the, like sorting out which is like the best way or the best movement or the positioning of the players in this new system that I think that will stay Especially with with Holland playing as a as a, as a number nine, uh, another like I think that it's quite 
um, interesting thing is that from the four uh, opposition teams that City has faced, has faced this, this season so far, um, three of them were like back five. Uh, five defenders on the back. I, I think that only um, Newcastle was it? No, o- only West Ham was was like the only team that played with the back four. So probably that shows like a trend that like future teams are gonna play out against City. Basically, just play a back five and uh, put a guy just uh, next to Holland and just hope for the best. So I think that City will have to keep improving like and exploring new ways knowing that most of the opponents are going to play with the back five. Yeah, there was a story this week, Sam, that uh, opposition managers have been calling each other to try and work out how to stop Haaland. Um, I just, mm. I, I like the idea of, the, of, of it kind of like being, like him being such a threat that, uh, that there's kind of this unity across every other team in the league. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people going, oh no, surely not. But it's just one of those things, without doing down the information, because it's fantastic information, it's just one of those things that is completely normal when you think about it. But as soon as you write it down, it sounds mad sounds and it sounds mad, controversial, yeah. but it isn't. It's like, I don't know who it would be. I don't know who it would be, but let's say Eddie Howe and Scott Parker are mates and they were talking about it and they've gone, oh yeah, what should we do? Because, oh, well, we tried this and it was unbelievable, you know, the strength of the guy. Um, and I, just to just to bring in, actually, I was, I was speaking to somebody like involved in the Palace kind of first team setup. Like directly after the game on Saturday, uh, and I've not—I've tried not to swear too much in this podcast, but I, I think it would do it justice if I did. So, if you're listening with kids, I'll maybe like skip it on for like thirty seconds. But I was speaking to him, and basically the whole conversation was just like full of swearing, and I can't remember exactly every line that was said. But the one that sticks with me from the guy at Palace was, "We've got good centre backs, but fuck me." <laughs> and that's about playing with playing against Haaland. It was just he's an effing animal. He's effing unbelievable. Like it's unreal. Like the strength. Like all of this. All of these things. So like the idea that like two coaches who have probably done coaching badges together, or you know David Moyes speaking to I don't, I don't even know who it could be, but just going just having like an informal conversation about oh god this guy's unbelievable. It's like when City signed him. I remember writing that you know Liverpool players had said. Oh, it was a nightmare. Or it's a, yeah, I think it was a nightmare or something like that. And I had some Liverpool fans messaging me going, oh, how would you know that? Bullshit. Uh, it's, it can't be true. And it's like, well, like, think about it for a second. City already beaten them to the title or were beating them to the title at that point. And then the prospect of Haaland coming, which everybody in the football world basically thought, well, this is the one thing they're missing. He's going to make them amazing. Why would Liverpool players be any different to that? And why in, in like informal conversations, like, oh, that's the last thing we need. You know, we're in this golden period trying to win trophies. And, and they've just know, got to sign him. Now gone yeah. and got even better. It's, yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's, um, it's just completely normal. And all of those three examples, the Liverpool thing, the, the Premier League managers thing, and the Crystal Palace thing, all comes back to the fact that he is just unbelievable. Like, it's that thing I wrote about when I went to his hometown. Like he wasn't big and strong and massive and powerful when he grew up. He was like a with like unbelievable movement and wasn't strong and wasn't big. So he actually had to get around defenders, big physical defenders who are older than him and bigger than him and in like the under eighteens for Norway or whatever. He had to get around them in different ways. And he could do it because he was that good of a poacher. And then since then, he's become this like physical freak. And like the thing that De Bruyne said the other week after the Bournemouth game, I think we mentioned what surprised you about Haaland? And he was like, the pace. He goes, that that ball from Gundogan against West Ham. 
I didn't think he was going to get it, and he did. It's these things, like this unbelievable kind of physical specimen allied to like this unbelievable finisher. It's no wonder that all these people are talking about him in, the, in just kind of basically in the kind of ways that we do. Because what can you say? Yeah. That was unbelievable. Paul, there is a there is a, a question to be asked about Harlan though at the moment because um, Guardiola said uh, a few weeks ago, uh, just on uh, Harlan's fitness, um, that basically when City start having a game every three days, that Harlan isn't going to play and that, that Alvarez will come in. Um, Sam tweeted uh, earlier today, City's basically City's run of fixtures, which uh, is Forest at home, Villa away, Sevilla away, uh, Spurs at home, Dortmund at home, Wolves away. Um, Harland probably can't play all of them, uh, but a lot of them are key games. So where do you think he comes in and out at this stage? And I'm asking with my fantasy league hat on. Yeah, and that's going to be a <laughs> and and that's going to be a wild guess because of course um, no one let me know so far the tactics tomorrow. But um, uh, I think that he's not going to play tomorrow, or he or he has numbers, or the games tomorrow probably is the one that you could spare to him, maybe if you can put it that way. Um, yeah, because you want him like for your first Champions League game. Um, he comes from like the weekend playing almost uh, like the full game. You you play at home against a good team, but a team that it's like newly promoted. Um, I know for what we hear like from the backroom staff and for what City says that they are delighted with Julian Alvarez. Delighted. Um, you could sense that on Pep's press conference today. So I guess that. He would be very happy to give him like an opportunity as soon as possible. He he was. I mean, when he came on as well at weekend, he, he looked yeah, like yeah, he was yeah. really pushing for that start, didn't he? Yeah, I think that he hasn't played like a single minute badly for City. Uh, in my opinion, he was great at the Camp Nou uh, as well. He, I mean, um, he was like relentless. He, he he just couldn't stop like running. He's playing like just driving a rocket. He just cannot like stop running um and yeah i think that tomorrow probably could be like a day for for give Haaland a rest so i'm not putting him as a captain of my fantasy team to, to be honest yeah or at least have a, <laughs> have a good backup vice captain um yeah. sam in, in terms of that run of fixtures though um as paul says forest might be might be a good opportunity i mean they've started well they're, they're, they're an interesting proposition for for city but you'd expect city to do well against them at home um i'm also wondering if severe away might be the one because they've lost both of the center halves and they're not the team that i think city fans will remember from a few years ago in the champions league so I, i'm wondering then if you could if you could kind of focus harland on maybe villa away because it's an away game and you've got spurs at home and, and then dortmund at home yeah, loads of people were replying saying Wolves and Villa. I was like, what? I mean, look, maybe maybe they're right, but like, away games in the Premier League against Wolves, like you can't really break down. Like, no, I can't. I can't see him voluntarily sitting out an away game if it's if it's just a kind of oh, when should we when should we give this guy a rest? You know, as opposed to this guy needs a rest because if he needs a rest, then he needs a rest. Yeah. Um. So I'd be surprised. If, if it was those ones. But then I'm kind of wondering, you know, I've talked about that kind of load management before, you know, when people have been annoyed that City have played a, a strong team. It's like, well, you know, they've, they miss games in the past, so they need a game here. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's going to need to miss two of those because obviously if he's missing, like if City are playing three games a week all season, which I presume they will be, if he's missing one of those, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. I, I wonder if... Um, Missing Forest might just be the one he needs, and then this international yeah. break. Obviously, then you go with Norway, um, but I wonder if it's just and look, maybe he starts against Forest. 
but maybe you just miss Forrest in terms of you start on the bench, you get on if you need it. Uh, or, you you know, you get on for 20 minutes just to, to keep your load managed. Um, and then the rest of the games, you come off for 20 minutes to go if things are going well. Um, so I don't know. Like, so yeah, severe away, but first Champions League game. You, you know, want to get off to a good start, but yeah. And all that kind of thing. Um, if I if I had to guess, and it's purely a guess, and, you know, we might see tomorrow that it's way off. Like, I, I remember... Do you remember when we came back from the international break in April, just before the Liverpool and Atletico Madrid games, and Myers was on the bench, and I was like, "Well, he was on the bench against Le- uh, against Southampton as well, so they must be keeping him fresh." And then Guardiola was like, "Oh, well, he's sad because he didn't qualify for the World Cup." Like, there's a million things it could be, but if I had to guess, I would say um, that he would um, it be on the bench against Forest from the start, as a guess, as a guess, hundred yeah. percent guess, and um, then come off early in some of the other games. Yeah. Uh, quick question, Sam: Was the goal that, that made his hat trick? Uh, was that a next? Uh, I didn't think of it as a next, but um, yeah, it absolutely is. That finish was, yeah. Um, it, I think it, it it loses the kind of next factor because it didn't come out of nowhere. You know, he wanted the ball. You could see he wanted the ball. And then he got the ball and he took a touch and he held off the guy. So you could see it building. It wasn't quite out of nowhere. But in terms of the, the cleanliness of the finish, um, it, it, it ticks, that, ticks that box for sure. Yeah. Um, um yeah, I do love a next. I do yeah. love a next. There'll be plenty of them for him. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um and finally on Haaland, uh, Paul, I know this means absolutely nothing, but I just wanted to mention it anyway. Um something interesting to note from his first four games. Uh, he got two goals in his first game, he got no goals in his second game, he got one goal in his third game, and then three goals in his fourth. Uh, and that's exactly the same opening four-game run as uh, Sergio Aguero had in 2011. Obviously, it means nothing, but just very nice coincidence. There you go, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if if City were looking like for a striker just to take uh, take over the legacy of Sergio Aguero, I, I think that in terms of numbers, there are there are no 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 more persons in the world that are able to put up the numbers that Kun did, and I think that Haaland can. Um, so yeah, let, let's see how it goes. But he he looks to enjoy so much the scoring, like the way he celebrates the goal. He's he looks surprised, doesn't he? I, I, yeah, I can't but, explain it. He's so happy, but, doesn't he? But he's yeah. so happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a kid. He's like a kid. He 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 just gets mad, and you can tell that he just loves it. So yeah, I think that yeah, it's gonna it's gonna keep on that way. And another thing that is important uh, as well is is something that Pep highlighted. I think that was quite right. That he doesn't lose the touch of the game. That sometimes, like most players, when they doesn't uh, get really involved with the with the style and with they, they 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 don't have like so many touches and stuff, they just disconnect from it. But he's like so switched on on the whole game. Um, and yeah, he just needs That's one, one of the things they put... did. They weren't sure about Aguero, wasn't it? Sorry, I remember yeah. Dominic Torrent telling me when they were when they were Bayern. Exactly. And Aguero scored the hat trick against them. He was like, Aguero could do nothing for 80 minutes and then do that. But like that doing nothing for 80 minutes is not what they wanted. But obviously, exactly. with Haaland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Basically, Sam, Sam explained it better in 20 seconds than me in like 40 minutes. <laughs> oh, that's not, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I love the idea. When I watch him wheeling away celebrating, uh, I love the idea. Was it, was it Marco Tardelli who ran off screaming his own name when he scored the winner in a uh, World Cup final? Um, I don't know I, it was his own name. I, yeah, it? I know I, I, it's the, the kind of iconic celebration. Was he certain his own name? Yeah, I, 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 I was under the impression that he was screaming his own name like he was a kid in the playground. I just like the idea that Harlan's doing that every time he scored. Uh, I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> but it's, it's it's that mad thing, isn't it? It's like you just don't like. Oh, Phil Foden, yeah, City fan from Stockport. Yeah. It's it's just unusual, isn't it? That these like, big world superstars are growing up as City fans. Like I think, I think a lot of fans have kind of 
remarked on that. And obviously, like Sergio Gomez as well now with the City shirt when he was younger. Because I've seen rival fans say, oh, like, how could this guy be a City fan? That's bullshit, whatever. And then there's pictorial evidence of it. And But like, obviously, with Haaland, it's just proper, like, baked in. And it's this thing we talked about before. Like, we're all talking about him as if, these, as if he's this kind of alien who's just, like, the best player in the world. And obviously, to an extent. <laughs> kind of is but everyone keeps saying he needs to improve as a player Rodri said it Pep keeps saying it but just that joy on his face like it's not like it's not that old Mario Balotelli thing of oh it's my job to score goals kind of thing like, he he loves he loves scoring goals um, and obviously loves doing it for City like I, I don't know um, I'd have to check his celebrations for Dortmund but I think you get that element of joy because he's at the club he supported which yeah. is pretty, must be pretty special for everyone yeah. Um, just while we're on the, the forward line as well, we touched on uh, Alvarez uh, potentially coming in for a couple of games. Uh, Paul, you talked before about how um, basically you don't think he's played a bad minute for, for City. Um, what do you see his role being going forward? Because obviously Haaland is the main man and obviously Haaland can't play all the games. Is he is he likely to be to be only coming in to replace Haaland as a centre forward or will he come in in games like, like against Palace more often, do you think, and, and maybe even start the odd game uh, alongside Haaland as well? Yeah, I think that they will play together at some point. They will play together. Actually, against Palace, he played as a kind of winger, left wing, um, somehow, yeah. Um, and I think that for just looking at how Pep speaks about him, he's the kind of guy that is going to make, uh, is going to push Pep just to put him on the lineup because he just trains so hard. He's just, yeah, this guy. I mean, he reminds me a bit of what people said about Gabriel Jesus. He's like a guy that just puts like an effort so big with the team that just Pep will have to put him on the lineup at some point because he will deserve it. And I think that, well, City is not like, um, they don't have like a really bored options up front. So, yeah, I think that there will be a gap and there will be a role for Julian Alvarez to play alongside Haaland. Yeah, I just I just remember uh, you just reminded me of a story that Sean Gota uh, once told me about Kevin Keegan, um, where Keegan for whatever reason was uh, was hell bent on playing his forward line of uh, Fowler and Anelka, and obviously mm-hmm. that that was not um, not not good for Sean Gota. And then Gota kept coming off the bench and kept scoring, um, and uh, so his time would get less and less towards the end of the games, and in kind of a way to stop him from uh, from scoring that many goals. Uh, and oh. he'd, he'd keep coming on later and later, and he'd keep coming on and scoring and uh, him and Kevin Hawk used to sit on the bench uh, in uh, the, the kind of first Keegan Premier League season and um Holock would give him a nudge and say, "Go, go on, go, go, go and warm up." Because when what happens is the fa- when you run out and the and you start warming up down the side, the fans go, "Oh, he's coming on, he's coming on," and then they start singing his name. And Keegan must have kept looking at him, going, "I'm going to have to put him on at some point. I'm going to have to. I'm actually going to have to go and put him on." Then he put him on, he'd score, and he go, "I can't, I can't play my forward line that I've that I've spent so much money on because this boy keeps coming on and scoring." And um, it just for for whatever reason, I, I don't think Guardiola is as easily influenced as Keegan would have been in that sense. But uh, I it just it just re- a, a nice little story to kind of echo across the ages of City <laughs> that's it yeah yeah have you seen that thing just to bring us right up to modern football have you seen that thing Atletico Madrid are doing with Griezmann like the clause in his contract is like they have to buy him permanently from Barca if he plays yeah, so yeah. many games he makes an appearance of more than 30 minutes so Atletico Madrid have been bringing him on like 62 63 <laughs> 64 minutes yeah it's yeah. quite funny 
That was that was the thing with Mpenza at City. I think I think he stopped. I, I think he basically was frozen out for the final half of his season because he, he triggered a one year extension if he played another another game. And so, uh, was, so he never was played that again. why there was no home goals at home after December or whatever? No, because he because right? he he was the season after it was the Sven season with uh, with Mpe- with Mpenza. Goodness me! All right. Yeah, those were the days. Um, final bit of uh, modern football uh, stuff, Sam. Did you see the video afterwards of, uh, of Guardiola telling John Stones that he was the man? Yeah, um, I, tw- I tweeted a bit about this. He there was a there was a compilation. People might have seen it on my Twitter. There was a compilation of Alvarez's performance, but as part of it, you could see Guardiola at the bottom, absolutely going mad at Stones for not. I think he was just not, not playing the pass quickly enough or accurately enough or whatever, and he was going absolutely mad. And it reminded me of when City played Palace a couple of years ago. You know when City were losing. And then they got it back. I think Jesus and Aguero scored, something like that. And then Palace equalised again at the end. I think it was January, that 2019, yeah. 20 season again. And Stones was just getting it from Guardiola all game. And it reminded me of that. And it reminded me of thinking, is this going to be good for Stones, you know, to have Guardiola on his back to this extent? Because um, especially back then, that was the time when he was really struggling. Um, and then, so then Guardiola coming and saying, you're the man or whatever. I think that, you know, it's a way to kind of address that, isn't it? And kind of build that confidence back up. And, you know, probably for Guardiola to say, look, I'm sorry if I was harsh on you for that one ball, but the the rest of the game you played was was really good or whatever. So, yeah, I would imagine it was along those lines. Yeah, I was going to say, Paul, Stones could really easily have shrunk into into that game after the own goal. I mean, it, I don't, he was not at fault for the own goal. It just hit him. But, I, I mean, he ended up getting an assist, which, I mean, he was definitely shooting, let's be honest. But he, he got himself an assist and uh, and City ended up winning the game because of it. So it was it, it was a game that, that I, I thought he showed quite, quite good mental strength in there. I think he was the best centre-back on the pitch. Um, I think he was, uh, despite like the own goal. Um, he made like three tackles to Erechie as on the first half that are, that were amazing. That probably without those tackles, is it could have scored like another goal in the first half. Um, and yeah, with the ball at at his feet, I mean, we, we know that probably him and Laporte are of course like the best ball playing defenders in my opinion uh, at City. Um, and yeah, if he's able just to keep up like these fitness levels, and if he doesn't get injured, he'll have fl- plenty of minutes because he's a really good centre back. Yeah, more competition with the Kanji though now, won't he? Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah more competition. But <laughs> as as of now, I, I don't think that the Kanji will be ahead of John Stones. Yeah. Yeah, well, if you want to read some more info on uh, what these guys know about uh, Akanji from Dortmund, then head over to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. You can sign up for a pound a month for six months. Just use that code right there. Uh, that's the end of this week's Why With Us. Uh, thanks to Sam Lee. Cheers, everyone. And to Paul Bias. Been a pleasure. Thank you. We'll be back with another episode soon, so we'll see you then. The Athletic. <laughs>